0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Gay Peas in a podcast. My name's Matt. And I'm Bevan. And in this podcast, we like to challenge our ways of thinking to open our minds and to spread light through honest and open conversations. Hey
1: Matt, today we're talking to my bestie that I've known for 25 years through Thick and Thin. They're a psychologist and a director of their own company specializing in management strategies for fatigue and general human factors. And today we're diving into sleep and fatigue. The wonderful, the amazing, my bestie, Kirsty McCulloch. Welcome.
2: <laughs> so glad to see you
1: guys. <laughs> there you are. You too. How are you?
2: Yeah, really good, really good. So happy to be here. I've been listening yeah. along to your initial podcast, laugh, having a laugh, uh, <laughs> thinking uh, on your questions. Sarah. <laughs> ben
1: well, yeah, uh-huh. I know. Well, you've is, well, you've known me for the longest time. It has been over. I was thinking this afternoon when I met you, which would be back in probably 1996. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a long time. So where K- did you guys meet? Percy is my bullshit meter. Like oh. she'll know. If when she's listening, she's going, no, nah, that's
0: bullshit. No, Bevan's, mm-hmm. nah,
1: Bevan's saying bullshit. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a bullshit meter in your life, don't
0: you think? <laughs> well, now you've got two bullshit meters. So I can call it out for you as well. <laughs>
1: it's true. No, you have been with me for a long time. And I was watching another podcast the other day and I was talking about having that person in your life that's been able to give you very honest feedback and Kirsty, you are that person for me. <laughs> I hope that's good. <laughs> no, it has. It has been good. You've pulled me out of bad relationships. You've told me I should have been in better relationships. You've you've done it all to me. <laughs> it's been good. But Thank you so much for Bye. being with us today. And uh, we were sitting down and thinking about some topics and uh, fatigue and sleep, as you know, in my industry, uh, as I was a cabin crew member and flying, sleep and fatigue had been uh, pretty prevalent in my life but also we we together got drawn into your sort of studies and life when i was living in adelaide with you uh we i'd lost my job if you can remember i'd lost my job with Ansett, and we're a bit desperate for money and <laughs> you got me into some of these sleep studies that you were doing at the time um, and yes now yes our probes <laughs> You remember their names. <laughs> so for those who are listening, uh, Kirsty, the institute you are working for at the time, can you just, just tell us a little bit about that, who you were working with at the time and how that was working?
2: It was right at the start of my PhD where we were doing some um, experiments. This was at the Centre for Sleep Research at UniSA. Yeah. Um, and we are doing some experiments just basically to see how people perform during a whole lot of tests under different sleep conditions and amounts of sleep and different times of day. Um, and so in this case, we are measuring, so, so when people were sleeping, we were wiring them up with electrodes as well as measuring core body temperature. And these days, when you measure core body temperature, you give people a little pill and they swallow it and then it kind of goes through the processes <laughs> and gets lost in the toilet a few days later. Yes. It's very different back
1: Days yeah, when Bevan came to join us. Uh, so yeah, yeah, where was it? We had probes up our anuses. I can say that. And, <laughs> and, we, and we named them, which were, again, for everyone, what were their names? Tebu
2: and Zebu. I think we were the only participants that enjoyed these. <laughs> oh, my! I'm not <laughs> surprised. Kind of, Everyone's kind of blushing and like really trying to avoid it.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> what are you saying? What are you saying, Casey? Um I think that particular one, they were putting cream on our legs, that particular one, because was it a pharmaceutical company who was looking at erectile dysfunction? Uh, And I think that's what it was about at that point in time, not that I experienced any of that during the test, but um, I think that was at the time. But it was good money, so thank you. Um, (laughs) That's it for a segue to us when we start talking about the study of sleep. And we'll delve more into where we're at, what's happening today and, and how people are managing or not managing it. But what is really the understanding of the history of studying sleep and why have we really started
2: when did we really
1: start studying it and why?
2: Yeah, we haven't really looked at sleep for very long and the history of health. Like if you look at nutritional studies and exercise studies, there was so much going on in, you know, the 70s and 80s around that. And that, that research has all evolved over time. We've looked at sleep a little bit over that time, but nowhere near as much as now. So, in the late 90s, we started doing studies, um, which were fun studies to be a part of, Bevan. You missed these ones where we got oh. people really drunk. Um, so, we gave them free alcohol um, and then measured their performance. And we got them really tired and we measured their performance and compared the two. So, we got and we paid them really well again. So, we got lots of volunteers <laughs> for those studies. But um, yeah, certainly. Um, so So, that kind of put fatigue or lack of sleep on the map in the same way as drugs and alcohol is when you're driving so from a safety perspective we started talking about fatigue and sleep but still not really health-wise so you know if we are talking about chronic health that's really only come into play in the last 10 years the links between um, mental disorders um, that there's no there's no mental disorder or anything in the dsm the cycle the psychology bible that doesn't have sleep implications Wow. Even like cardiovascular health in the week that daylight saving starts and you get one hour less sleep, there's a twenty-six percent increase in heart attacks that year that, that week in the what? around
0: just through people adjusting to a different sleep cycle and getting in less one sleep. One hour
2: less sleep, yeah. And then when daylight saving happens and you get one one hour more sleep, there's a twenty-four percent reduction in sleep. So these kind of um that, sorry, twenty-four percent reduction in heart attacks. So these kind of stats have really helped to push sleep as a fundamental and we're really starting to get into the nitty gritty research around what does this mean. Wow. So it's yeah, great.
1: Yeah, no, that's really good. Cause I've it, it seemed to start just directly maybe from an accident preventional I-
2: yeah, certainly yeah. The, the focus of safety and accident prevention, but now it is more around holistic mental health, psychosocial wellness, um, even grades at school and performance of professional athletes. Like it's really getting into that level as well.
1: And I, I'd lo- yeah, absolutely. I'd love to sort of explore that for everyone. What really is this this difference? Because how do I know that I'm fatigued versus I'm just really tired?
2: Yeah, it depends on what your definitions are, really. Because y- you could use the same definition, but. Most of my work is in the safety spectrum. Right. We talking about fatigue as being impaired by not having enough sleep or good quality sleep or for being awake for too long. But tiredness is more subjective, so we feel tired and not great, and that can be from a whole lot of other issues, um, underlying health issues or other psychological things that are happening, general wellness, um, yeah, general life satisfaction can impact on sleepiness. Um but, yeah, fatigue itself, we, uh, I see, is more of a, a state of impairment, so the point at which you become too tired to be able to <laughs> yeah. function without. Yeah. yeah,
1: and in aviation, that's what we generally will func- uh, focus on is the fatigue aspects is when we become unable to function or we'll conduct our safety function. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> looking at society, and we, we had a little preach out a little while ago about how society is really looking and approaching sleep be really interesting to understand how you feel society at this point in time is really looking and approaching sleep how do we how do you think we behave around it how, what's our attitudes towards it
2: i reckon it's getting better to be honest um so when i started my career if i was talking about getting enough sleep to people in, in workplaces they'd, they'd be laughing at me and really not saying this a is big issue yeah um you know a- ambulance drivers so uh, you know if you if you need to sleep, you're a bit of a wuss or too weak. But now everyone's a lot more educated about it. So there's a lot more information around and people understand that we need to sleep. So if I'm asking questions in workplaces now, they at least tell me the right answers because they know the right answers, even <laughs> if they don't actually do it. But what we know is that less than a third of Australians get six hours sleep. And we know that getting less than six hours sleep is associated with increased heart attacks, early onset dementia and Alzheimer's, um, um, stroke risk there's, there's a whole lot of medical concerns you know for long term and yeah. short term even depression and anxiety even catching COVID so there are lots of studies on COVID when that was coming out and our, our immune response to those kind of bugs um, the ability to ward off cancer so we know that you know six hours is the absolute minimum and, and seems to be the the trigger to be correlated with all those sort of disorders so less than a third of us are getting that amount of sleep which means it's still a big issue, but we're at least getting more educated about it.
0: Are there ever any issues, Kirsty, with oversleeping and what what that could cause, if that causes problems as well?
2: Yeah, certainly if you sleep too much, you can go into a state of hibernation where your metabolism starts to slow down Um, and it can be indicative of other disorders that are going on. So, for example, if you're always tired, regardless of how much sleep you've had, you might have something like sleep apnea or Mm. cardiovascular problems. Um, So that state of tiredness and sleeping to try and compensate for that you're probably better off finding out why you need to sleep so much rather than just doing it
0: okay
1: it was one of the things when i had my stroke i was asked particularly of what my sleep patterns were like uh which was interesting and said that post stroke also that <laughs> my sleep was going to be affected um post that as as the body recovered but it was interesting they did ask was i not sleeping beforehand and um, were you Um, no, I wasn't, I wasn't. Yeah. I was having, having trouble sleeping and I was probably only getting about, I would say five to six hours before Mm. that, but there was a lot of factors around that for me too. As you know, um, my relationship had ended, um, before that. And there was a lot of stressors around that and I was pretty stressed out. So there was multiple other factors around that before my stroke, but I definitely was not sleeping very, very well at all. We, we see in society, we tend to sacrifice sleep because we feel like we've got to go out and have this lifestyle and live a life that's worthy. Um, do you still see that that's, that's an issue and a problem in it, to be educated for, for people to understand that it's just as yeah. important as as other things like going to the gym and eating well and where does it fit into that scale?
2: Um, so I've I've got two young kids and so I hang out with a lot of parents Um and I see this play out with them, that they'll focus a lot on nutrition, especially with their kids, and, and yeah. making effort to exercise, but many of them feel like they need to stay up late to get their own time and to carve out their own space um, to have chill-out time as, as an adult um, without kids rather than if they're chronically tired actually going to sleep. Um, so we were chatting the other day, Bevan, and we were to- I was talking about this, this whole notion that sleep is almost like a type of anorexia where we deprive yes. ourselves. Something that's a critical need for our bodies to to get really short term gains of what what's perceived goodness or joy, but perhaps not at all short term or long term.
1: Yeah, that, that's really interesting that people could be in what we call sleep anorexic state <laughs> um, and doing that, and especially in your generation. Or- uh, we all, we make fun of the fact that you know when people are older they go to bed early, <laughs> <laughs> and I do love my sleep. Like you I do, I really do. I'm like <laughs> oh, I love my bed. I love my pillow. <laughs> There's just a comfort and a process in that. But knowing you, you you would always tell me it was it was extremely important. And I remember when I put a television in the bedroom and you're like, hmm, I'd rethink that.
2: So <laughs> R- funny, all my friends, even when we go out for dinners and stuff, you know, the waitress will come around at the end of the dinner and say, who wants caffeine? And everyone will look to me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Kirsty <laughs> does.
2: Like, how give judgy her. am I going to be? <laughs> like, <no.
1: laughs> yeah, you don't have to they say anything. That, but yeah. no, you just have to give that, you know, look of really <laughs> you,
0: you, yeah. you do that really well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I do. I've learned off the masters.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had that exact experience last night, actually, Kirsty, with coming home and wanting to, like, carve out a bit of time because I was like, I didn't get home till, like, 9.30 after doing some latte yeah. art training after, latte art. after a day of study. Talking about coffee. And it is, it is a psychological thing, though. You get home maybe after a long day and you're like, no, now is when I need to watch some TV um but mm-hmm. then but then you were going to sleep next to me and I'm like oh look I'll just go to sleep but I woke up really well rested this morning and I felt really good so I'm like I didn't really need to watch some meaningless youtube clips last night to feel like I had carved out a bit of my own time I guess maybe yeah. we need to push past that feeling of like oh now I need to watch some tv because that's what I do at this time of the day and I missed out on doing it early so I'm going to do it late and I'll just go to bed a bit later Yeah yeah that's right
2: that's right mm. and even the perceptions around sleep right that even as an older adult, if you go to bed at nine o'clock, does that mean I'm lazy? Does that mean I'm disengaged? Does that mean I don't <laughs> socialise with the adults in my family? Does that mean, mm-hmm. you know, what are the implications of that rather than seeing sleep as something that's going to be healing or restorative or preparing you for the following days so you feel amazing and can jump out of bed and do all the exercise and the fun um, and feeling good? Mm.
1: I think it's, it's a great thing to think about. It's changing our narrative around sleep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, looking at, you know, qualifying and versus, versus quantity versus quality uh, in, our, in our life. But you do
0: get scared you're going to miss out mm. uh, or you do need to push the envelope to do that. Should we dive into that conversation about screens then, seeing as we're just yeah. talking about it? Yeah. Um- as my screen goes off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have it on silent. I'm like,
0: there it is. It's all right. But yeah, screens in our life, Kirsty, how how do they affect our sleep in a general sense? And we can dive into specifics, I suppose.
2: Yeah, I've yeah, seen loads of chat in the media around blue light and white yes. light. You know, these glasses you can buy to restrict blue light. Um and from a scientific perspective, it does have a significant impact but scientific significance does not mean real life significance. So if, if you watch a blue light directly before bed, at the most it's going to take you six minutes longer to fall asleep. Okay. Oh, it's okay. scientifically significant. Mm. By buying blue okay. light restrictors, you might reduce that to four minutes to fall asleep. Hmm. Um, so so they're, they're a bit of a gimmick is what I'm saying. Um, so screens are fine so long as you don't, get addicted you don't get the dopamine addiction you keep on so so they'll they'll procrastinate sleep so they'll delay sleep if you're watching netflix show after netflix show or if you're scrolling through instagram or whatever the young people do these days
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh young young people listen to us what does the young people do tiktok
0: facebook (laughs) youtube all the above (laughs) That tickety tickety talk thing, yes.
2: No, any, anything you get the kind of dopamine rush from that's, that's that addictive nature. So, um, I've got a nighttime alarm on my phone where my phone plays me a lullaby and tells me it's time oh. to turn off. Mm. <laughs> All my notifications turned off with my emergency contacts that can still get through. Um, am, am I on that? Nah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've
1: got you on my emergency contacts. Oh, gee, all right, fine.
2: I'll I'll have to update it. I think I've only got my parents and my husband, to be honest.
0: Really? Yeah, that's fair, Bev. Don't be too offended.
1: (laughs) I don't don't know about that. I'm going to digress just slightly and I'll get back onto this, but I still have what you placed in my phone under your name. Do you remember (laughs) what you wrote and put in as my contact? Kirsty the Great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all in capitals. All
1: in capitals, and it still comes up. Mm. We'll, we'll talk about that offline. It's all right. We'll get back to it. I was going to grab just that little bit about kids, right? You've got two kids. Bringing that uh, habit and patterns, is there certain things we can talk about here of things that you might want to consider about? Because we know that children are on these screens. Uh, we know it's a dopamine hit. hit. It's happening but is there certain things we can talk about we can help with healthy uh habits for children when we're looking at so because i know that one of your uh your first child had a lot of sleep problems correct i
2: think it was neither of my children have slept oh all right isn't that irony for you <laughs> my, daughter, my daughter has just turned five and she's just tired of sleeping through the night so we are child free in our bed now but it's <gasps> taken been a good eight years um, so to compensate for that, rather than just giving myself eight hours in bed to get seven hours sleep, I, I would be more like nine to nine and a half hours in bed every night, just because I knew my sleep would be broken. Right. But now it's great; I can drop right back, and I can get a little bit of my life back. Um, but in terms of kids, yeah, sleep um, screens definitely have a an impact on them. Um, I don't. I haven't actually looked at the science too much on sleep on um, kids because I deal so much with adults. But I can tell you, my son, if he's been watching. YouTube or whatever he watches right up to bedtime. First of all, he's quiet, so we don't notice him as much. So we probably don't we're not right. strict times because he's out of our hair, and we can do what we want. Yes, uh, and also he takes a lot longer to fall asleep. But that's just my kind of anecdotal observation.
1: No, that's I just thought I'd ask. uh It's just really interesting, and we and we know that when you've got children, you're very sleep deprived in general.
0: Just from our observations. From our observations. Yes, yes, we don't have children. We don't
1: have children. We have a (laughs) dog that sleeps on our bed, which you might want to tell us is not a great thing. And that probably leads me into this thing about what are some really things that are pushing us to poor sleep quality? What are those things possibly that we need to look out for? And, And some of the things we might have to adjust our lifestyle to get better quality sleep.
0: Pets on the bed.
1: Pits on the bed.
2: On the bed. So, so, so what you saw just then, me doing that, is exactly what I do at the dinner table when people ask about caffeine.
0: <laughs> we got the curse. A dude. little shake head, little <laughs> eyebrow raise. <Yeah.
2: laughs> uh, no, sir. Um, yeah. yeah, look, anything that makes noise or moves in your bedroom will wake you up out of a deep sleep into a lighter sleep. And you won't be aware of it necessarily, um, but it'll disturb your sleep quality and you can measure that with things like fitbits and garments and apple watches so you can be quite strategic improving this or disproving this so if you have a pet in the bedroom measure measure your sleep on a night where the pet's in the bedroom versus when the pet's not in the bedroom and you'll see that you're continually spiking out of a deep sleep if the pet's in the bedroom um, basically, your, your body's saying there's a threat around. You need to be semi-conscious so that you can work out if you've got to respond or not and protect yourself.
1: Mm. So it's that fight or flight. Yeah. 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 We're going to have a little look at my sleep pattern that we have earlier sent to mm. you to have a look at. We'll look at that in a little bit. But that that's thats a bit of a worry, isn't it? That yeah. you're coming out in and out, in and out, because you hear a noise and you've got to go into that.
0: Yeah. Well it's just that animal in us, isn't it? If you look at a if you look at your dog sleeping, you know, the second you make a noise around them, they're straight up because it's that it is that yeah. they're so much more connected to their fight or flight than us, aren't we? Because we're so comfortable in society these days. We are very
2: comfortable. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. Are there any other things, Kirsty? So, a-
2: if you talk about caffeine, you'll notice that if you have caffeine directly before bed, even if you can get to sleep, your deep sleep won't happen until a couple of hours or longer after you've gone to sleep. And you'll get a lot less deep sleep or quality sleep because of the caffeine. Similarly, if you have a lot of alcohol, you'll get into a deep sleep really quickly, but you'll find that the dreaming sleep at the end of your sleep cycle gets reduced. So there's a whole lot of kind of substances that we either drink or eat that can impact on sleep quality. Um, too much sugar before bed can even have similar effects of, um, you know, I- impacting on our digestion and how how much we can get into a deep sleep quickly. Um, exercise before bed, you know, if you're really yeah, going what to. Is- home- Is that good or or bad? It's really individual. So it depends on your endorphin reaction and also how sensitive you are to heat, heat cycles. So we naturally drop our temperature before or as we're going to sleep. And in exercise, if you get your body temperature up high and then you thermoregulate yourself back down when you finish, that can also make you sleepy. So Mm. the endorphins may wake you up or the heat drop may make you sleepy. And it really depends on the individual.
0: Kirsty. I know at times in, in my life when like I've been in through like been through like moments of high stress or a lots on my mind when I go to bed and then maybe I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I literally can't turn off my brain. You know, you try so hard to stop thinking and you say I'm going to stop thinking now, I'm going to stop thinking now, and then you just you you just can't fall back to sleep. And then I'll roll over and I'll grab my phone because I think if I procrastinate scrolling on Instagram for a while, maybe it'll calm my mind down. What can we do in those moments?
2: Yeah, so you want to avoid phones because you get the dopamine response, which which activates your brain. Yeah, reading is better. Reading, um, but but having something. So um, there are lots of sleep meditations you can find on on Spotify and things like that. Um, but things that focus you on something that's not the fact you're not sleeping. Um, so active active meditations or active focus strategies such as progressive muscle relaxation, where you focus on your head getting heavy and sinking into the mattress, then your shoulders getting heavy and sinking into the mattress, your chest getting heavy and sinking into the mattress. It gives you something to focus on that's physical. Your brain doesn't kind of waver from it too much or think, shit, I'm still not sleeping. Oh, my God, I'm still not sleeping. I'm still awake. Oh, my God, I've got to get up in the morning. Mm. So it stops you kind of from having that reaction, gives you something to focus on. And it also mimics the sensation of going to sleep where your body does get heavy um, and nat- naturally feel like it's sinking into the mattress. So that's a great strategy for me. Other people like listening to things and having other people take them through something guided. Um, yeah.
1: Cool. And, and meanwhile, I'm snoring next door.
0: Yeah, no. know. Bevan goes to sleep so fast. He Within like two minutes last night, I can hear him deep sleeping. I'm like, how do you get to sleep that quickly? Because <laughs> I'm
1: sleeping next to the man I love,
0: and, <laughs> and just,
1: you know, just so peaceful, Mushy. Loving.
2: But I used to release some sleep pods. Have you heard about these? No? So you know, the, the master of sound.
1: Mm. Yes.
2: So they've got these sleep pods, and they connect with your mobile phone, so that if, again, if you get emergency calls through, and your alarm is also plugged into Which, them, so you won't sleep through things. But they have white noise that's release at an amplification to actually increase the amount of deep sleep you're getting and they're increasing the research on this you know all the time as well so say that if you get different frequencies of sound in your ears you can actually while you're sleeping you can actually um influence the depth and quality of your sleep as well as well as blocking out things like partners that snore
0: oh that's so cool
2: very cool so maybe that you can put that on your list for santa matt
0: yeah. Ah, yes, um, Yes. I'd love to put that on my list for Santa Probably my
1: when it says partners who snore
2: <laughs> You
0: can grow your beard back and you could be a real life Santa for me I know Oh, is, you have to I, I love, know, look at my <laughs> this is, You can see his
1: chin it's, again It's my spring look
0: For anyone only listening to us, jump yeah. over to YouTube and uh, watch this video Yes You can get a good look at Bevy Maybe, Kirsty, it'd be interesting to dive into the different cycles of sleep and what they do for us
2: Yes, that'd be great Sure. So as we fall asleep, normally most of us will go into a deep sleep um, where our brains will just completely zone out. Um, it's called slow wave sleep. So when you're awake, our brains produce a whole lot of electrical activity. And you can imagine on a page, most of us have seen movies with electrical activity on a page. It's quite, yeah. quite you know, loud and noisy. Then as soon as we get into this deep sleep or slow wave sleep, our brains completely chill out and put this slow wave of um, electrical activity across a page. So that's why it's called slow-wave sleep. During this stage of sleep, we got all our body restoration. So all, our, all of our muscles are restored. We all are growing during this stage of sleep. Um, all, our, all our restoration happens. So it's, a, it's aimed at our body for physical restoration. Then we go up into a lighter stage of sleep, which is when we'll scan it, scan the environment, the pet's making noises, scan our bodies, <laughs> don't want to go to the toilet, and this will be the time we wake up and go uh, to the toilet. That's me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but if everything's okay, we'll go into REM sleep, which stands for rapid eye movement. So this is where we're scanning the images of our dreams. And this is where we get a little mental restoration. Um, and we also, during the stage of sleep, our brain also shrinks a little bit and our brain gets flushed with cerebral spinal fluid, which takes all the toxins out of our brains. So... Oh. You know, it's a really good prevention strategy for Alzheimer's and things like that. Um, so we store memories, we deal with emotional problems. You know, this is for mental well-being, really. The dreaming sleep and, and cognitive ability, um, but also obviously preventing you know toxins building up in our brain. So so we go through that cycle multiple times. So the first cycle is normally about ninety minutes, um, and then we'll go into quicker cycles as the night progresses, back into deep sleep, into dreaming. If you wake up multiple times across the night, it doesn't matter so long as you get straight back into sleep. Because that's your body's natural response. If you know there's wind outside, your body might completely wake up rather than just subconsciously processing that. Or if you need to go to the toilet, it's natural to wake up and your body's designed to do that. And you know, as Nike says, just do it. So if you get that urge, just <laughs> yeah. do it. don't
1: fight it yeah. like I do. Don't go, fight oh, it. Because if you oh. toss
2: and turn in bed, go, I'm oh, out, I need to go. Can I hold it? Can I hold it for half an hour? Then you're gonna be awake and struggle to get back to sleep. So if you get the urge, just jump out of bed, do it, and then you'll get back to sleep really quick. That's something I've really wondered because
1: I've been, I'm over 50 and the old bladder, you know, is is going all right, but it's getting up <laughs> sometimes twice. And I've wondered, which we'll very soon have a look at my sleep pattern for this night, uh, we'll have a look at, you know, is it not great that I'm continually getting up? And that's actually really good for me to hear is that as long as I get back straight back to sleep, I don't delay getting up, then I'm probably doing all okay. Yeah. yeah,
0: which is really good. Why don't we have a look at your sleep pattern? Let's have a,
1: have a look at this sleep pattern. So um, for, for those are listening uh, just on there, you won't be able to see this, but we will go through it. And for those who are on this video, we will pop that up so you gonna see it.
0: Yes, we will. Bevan recorded his sleep via his Fitbit. Uh, so Kirsty's going to dissect Bevan's sleep for us right now. We are. Kirsty, have you got it up in front of you there? I sure do. Well, talk us through it.
2: So one thing I will say is that these these things are not entirely accurate with sleep. Yes. They're pretty good for sleep duration, um, but they are great for comparing your sleep. So you know how I was saying before, you can run experiments on yourself with the coffee versus not coffee and see what it does, or the animal versus the no animal in the room and see what it does. So it, it's great for comparison, but sometimes they stuff up, right? So, so for a little while, my yeah. people were saying I was getting no deep sleep and it didn't worry me because I realised – that's probably not true. I'm doing everything right, so don't stress out too much. It's, it's the point I'm making oh, if okay. your watch isn't telling you exactly what you want to see. But if I'm looking at Bevan's sleep here, he slept for seven hours and 29 minutes. So you're in bed from 11 until seven. So yeah, until
1: seven.
2: So you were asleep for seven and a half hours out of eight hours in bed. That's pretty good. Cool. Actually, incredible, really good. So then you went straight into deep sleep, which is what I said before, and then I reckon the – Tat probably had a scratch. Oh, no, you've got a dog now, don't you? Yeah, yeah so we've got Rusty on the bed. Yeah, I you know, you're the dog person. Um, <laughs> <You> <laughs> I hate <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that the difference now, isn't it? <laughs> the irony. The irony.
2: <laughs> um, I reckon the dog had a scratch halfway through your first deep sleep period because you've woken up into that lighter stage of sleep and then gone straight ah. back in
0: your ah. <laughs> Yep
2: something's happened there then you go gone back up into a dreaming sleep which is what you'd expect so your first kind of part of sleep is picture perfect then you go
1: do <sighs> i get a gold star i love that yeah except, except i'm such a burgo.
2: <laughs> and then deep sleep um again so, so that's normal a lot of light sleep in between there and then a lot of dreaming and i assume you would have got up to the toilet yes 4am
1: yes that's it that's the toilet break
2: yeah, <laughs> um, But a lot of dreaming. So if you get a lot more dreaming than deep sleep, quite often it means that your brain's really ticking and trying to process things. Right. So you can see you've got double the amount of dreaming sleep that you have deep sleep here. So you've got almost an hour of deep sleep and just over two hours of dreaming sleep. So that tells me that, yeah, you, your brain is really processing things um, and you're spending a lot of time in light sleep in between. So you're probably moving into kind of subconscious processing rather than completely unconscious processing during the dream. Ah.
0: So Kirsty, when we wake up and say we wake up in the middle of a dream or something, I guess we just assume that we've been dreaming all night, but through a big part of our sleep, our brain isn't dreaming at all, right?
2: That's right. You'd expect to be dreaming for about 25% of your sleep. So the normal split is 25% deep sleep, 25% dreaming and the rest of it's light sleep. Yeah. You kind of can still hear things and respond to things in the environment. Um, but you're just really relaxing and getting some restoration.
0: What do you think our consciousness is doing in the time when we are not dreaming then? <laughs> is it just is it nothing? It's
2: we <laughs> oh. don't know too much, but I think we're processing things. So you're still yeah. thinking, you're still active, your brain's active during that stage of sleep. Yeah. Um it's just not at the same level of kind of restoration.
0: Well, dreams are fascinating, though. Do you have any thoughts on what dreams mean to us? Do you think they're, they're giving us messages? You know, what, what are your thoughts on dreaming?
2: Uh, I think there's so many different facets to dreaming, right? You know, I had some dreams about Bevan actually when you were oh, way, way cool. back in the day, which I, which I shared with you, and that's when oh, you yes. kind of told me some big secrets. Um, um Just, but I think that was me perceiving things that I was seeing in the environment and that was. Playing out in dreams. Um, Kirsty was one of the
1: first ones to realise I was really in trouble. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> like pre coming
1: out. Well, we're talking about the times when I was married, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Kirsty, and it's true, whether it was a perception or not, depends on how people view those dreams. But you were the first one that was able to to know there was something yeah. really up with me.
0: Yes. So, your subconscious would be interpreting that and putting it into uh, visions <laughs> and dreams
2: for you. In that case, perhaps. Yeah. Yep. Um, But certainly we know that, you know, some people say they never dream and that's a load of bollocks as well, unless you've got a really big sleep disorder, very, very rare sleep disorder. Um, But really, you know, in terms of remembering dreams, it depends on how quickly you wake up. So if you wake up in the middle of a dream, you're highly likely to remember it. And that's normally if something's woken you up. you wake up just after a dream, you seldom remember it. And we've all had the experience, right, where you've had this amazing dream and you're trying to recall it and you can almost, you can recall it straight after you've <gasps> woken up and you try and recall it and now lady like, oh, where? <laughs> I can't remember. that <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, just kind of disappears, like all the information disappears. So it's, it's a really bizarre thing. I think um, at
0: one point in time I started a dream journal because I wanted to, I was I was going down this whole thing of like, oh, lucid dreaming and I don't know, you know, yeah. all about, I don't know about that, but I was like, oh, yeah, I'll start a dream journal so that I can become conscious in my dreams and then I can fly. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: you can seize the world, <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah.
0: The uh, So looking at my,
1: I've always wondered, and you look at—I've googled, you know, what the average of deep sleep I should be getting. Looking at what you can see for me, is that general quality of what I had, or is there definite areas where I could improve from what you could see?
2: Yeah, if you are, you could be improving your deep sleep a little bit. Yeah. Based on this, and again, this isn't necessarily one hundred percent accurate, but based Correct. on this, yeah, you would be probably trying to get at least an hour and a half of deep sleep. Okay. A night, um, or more, up, up to two hours a night, um.
1: And that could be the dog problem.
2: <laughs> it could be the dog problem. It could be what you're eating directly before bed. So even if you eat within two hours of bedtime, that can impact on deep sleep. Could be caffeine too late in the day, although you've gotten into deep sleep pretty quickly, so I doubt it.
1: Yeah, we're we're stopping a lot of that. And we've been doing the old fasting and we stop eating at eight. Yeah. Which is which is really good which mm. is really good. Uh, okay. Uh, I did think that I probably was missing out on a little bit of a deep sleep. There was something that popped into my head while you were talking about that. I hear so many people who have sleep apnea now, who are on, yeah. these, machi- on these machines. And I beforehand and growing up, whether it was mm. n- not misdiagnosed and we didn't really worry about it or care about it at the time going through when we're growing up, but now I know so many people who are on these machines at night is there, yep. is, why do you think this is happening? Is this because we haven't really looked at this before and this is a new treatment or there is lifestyle changes? What, what's going yeah, on?
2: Yeah, I think it was hugely underdiagnosed previously, but we've got the obesity epidemic um, where, you know, if you're classified as obese, which doesn't necessarily mean you're actually fat, but, you know, medical Correct. classifications of obesity is 45% as a male, 45% likely to have sleep apnea. Wow. So, so so the two of them just hand in hand means a whole chunk of the population is is suffering from sleep apnea, which is where your airway closes over while you're sleeping. So every time you get into a deep sleep, you <clears throat> kind of gasp and open up your airways to breathe again and survive, but mm. you never stay in a deep sleep and you're craving deep sleep so much you don't get a lot of dreaming sleep either. And so in people with sleep apnea, you see increased rates of heart attack, um, memory loss. Um, huge psychological problems, always feeling tired because you're never getting enough sleep, mm. um, huge divorce rates because you're just not relating to your partners as much and issues with their kids because, again, the support that they can offer and the the energy that they've got to support them. So it's good that people are getting treated. And in workplaces, the people that are treated for sleep apnea are like the, the biggest advocates for any fatigue-related Intervention because they know how good it is to be treated and feel awake again.
1: Yeah, lo- often people have said they didn't know how bad they were, uh, how mm. uh, um, until they started treating that. And obviously, <clears throat> weight loss programs uh, are placed in for people to start losing weight and dealing with that.
2: Well, uh, quite a lot of because your metabolism's so slow with sleep apnea. Yeah. If you treat sleep apnea, you automatically lose weight because your metabolism picks up again. Yeah, Um, But I'm working with lots of companies at the moment who are installing these cameras that that measure um, when people fall asleep and they have alarms and actually automatic notifications to people when they fall asleep in the vehicle. Um, And these people, you show them back the footage and they swear they were never sleeping. They swear they didn't fall asleep behind the wheel and they see the footage of themselves and, oh, my God, was that me? Is that actually what happened to me? And it's a huge wake-up call. And then, quite often, they'll get tested for sleep. Well, they've got to get tested for sleep apnea in most cases, and more often than not, they've got something like that and don't realise how much it's affected them. Hmm.
1: I'd love to grab about sleep and performance because a lot of the work you do is with with major groups and and people who are looking at increasing their performance through better sleep. Can you talk to us about a little bit about that and share a little bit about uh, some of the uh, work that you've been doing in performance and yeah uh, so- and sleep.
2: Oh. I work a lot in the regulations space, obviously, um, and safety space. Um, And we we know that accident risk is profoundly higher in people that sleep less than six hours sleep a night. So from a prevention perspective, we wanna be encouraging people in the workplace to sleep more than that. we know that in in athletes, you know, recovery time if they're not getting, if they're not getting six or seven hours sleep, I think it's for athletes, um, it's like four or five times longer to recover from injuries. Um, so from a performance perspective, that's significant. Um, in schools, kids that sleep less than eight hours sleep a night, um, less than less than eight hours sleep a night average C's, and kids that sleep more than their average A's. You know, there's heaps of performance studies around it. Um, yeah yeah, there's so there's so so much information. So could I assume if I really wanted a quick win
1: when it comes to better performance in in life in general, I really should be getting that that seven hours plus sleep every yeah. night. Yeah.
2: yeah, aiming for at least seven hours in bed so you get a minimum of six hours actual sleep. Um, mm. not more but even attractiveness studies on sleep so so people so taking photos of people that have got less than six hours sleep and then taking the same person on more than a good amount of sleep um and then getting strangers to rate their attractiveness um (gasps) yeah you (laughs) feel more attractive
0: with more sleep that's so interesting I can definitely relate to when you're talking, I mean, hearing you talk about when the times in, in the sleep when your brain is processing like your emotions and whatnot, I can definitely think of times when I haven't been sleeping well, maybe lots on my mind or maybe the dog's been going through a period of not sleeping well or something. It really takes a toll on my mental health. Um, yeah. I, I can definitely think of times when maybe I've had a really bad day and I go to sleep and I, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed or my anxiety is peaking or whatever and then getting a really good night's sleep you wake up the next day and you think I, I can't believe I, I felt like that last night and, and really I did just need a good sleep for my brain to process all these emotions because you know, the day before you think how can I make this better? How can I make myself feel better? After a good night's sleep, you just do.
2: Isn't that amazing how much we self-sabotage with that? So, you know, we do it with food. We know we do it with food. We eat the chips and we drink the alcohol when we feel like shit. But we also tend to not sleep as much and not prioritise bedtime as much. So we do self-sabotage with that when we're down. um, And you're right, it can make you feel so much better.
0: Mm.
1: So Mm. it's an advocate and a good way to deal with mental health. Uh, Mm. We're dealing with a lot of people with anxiety um, coming post-COVID and also mental health problems. Do you w- w- definitely could see that as a, as a way of getting back to um, some normality and bringing back some sleep patterns into your life definitely mm. yeah but i i was also thinking about the times i've really sacrificed sleep in the pursuit of of a career of work and 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 that performance part of it has to i really have to rethink about that of understanding that i'm i'm putting myself a detriment by not getting this sleep and my performance and my output is probably not as great as if i unless i actually had really good sleep mm. yep it's really good yeah the, the the some of the takeaways that we want to if we move through if if you were saying to people right now something that they could really change to make a big change to their sleep what would that be just of uh, a couple of things that would really make a big difference to their sleep quality what would that be
2: yeah say so, so- Plan and prioritise your sleep. So understand when you're going to sleep and prioritise it. Um, So similarly to exercise, if you plan exactly when you're going to do it and then prioritise it so it definitely happens, you're more than likely going to stick with it and have some success. So plan and prioritise your sleep for at least six hours, if not longer, of actual sleep, which means longer in bed. And then really limit caffeine and alcohol before bed. So caffeine ideally not within eight hours of bedtime and as we get older we become a little bit more sensitive sensitized so you you might even need a little bit longer the only way to know that no more
0: cups of teas at 8 p.m for us Bev unless they're decaf green teas
2: (laughs) I like my tea I know get on the dandy guys uh. Um, and then sunlight so sunlight's the the third thing so get as much sunlight as as early as you can in the day and throughout the day because has a huge impact on your body chemistry, which helps you to sleep. The vitamin D does. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, Sunlight in general. Yeah. And yeah.
1: Sunlight in general. Wow. Okay. Get out in the sun. <laughs> on
2: serotonin. Yeah. yeah Serotonin levels and in turn melatonin levels.
0: And here you're talking about that you turn all your notifications off at nighttime as well. Like I'm in a bad habit at the moment. I've got my phone set at 6 p.m. every day to go on to do not disturb, but yeah. I swear at like 6:05 I just go and turn it straight off. Cause I'm like, oh, what's going on? You know, we've just started the podcast too. So I'm like, oh, you know, I'm always checking if there are subscribers or.
2: So so, turn it, yeah. So so make it realistic. So if you want to go in bed by 10, then turn off at 9:30. Mm, Yeah. Um, the other thing you can do is on Netflix and things like that, you can actually the settings in there, so it doesn't automatically progress to the next to the next show so you can even protect yourself with that if you know that you know the next show starts and you get five minutes into it you're like all right i'll just watch the rest of this if you know you do that then change your settings so it doesn't automatically flick over to the next one
0: yeah that's a good one too yeah and
1: one of the things we well you love is a cold room
0: oh yeah i can't sleep with <sighs> especially if my feet are hot i just cannot sleep i have to have the fan on in summer blowing on my feet
2: yes yeah a cold room is definitely better than a hot room
0: mm yeah, yeah,
1: and th- that's one thing we struggle with a little bit.
0: Cause, yes, because you like it to be a little bit <laughs> warmer. Than, I'm from Southern Tasmania, babe. You know what I'm like? I run cold. Well, I'm cold. honorary
1: Southern Tasmanian now. You are, yes. I've done my stint. <laughs> I've got my puffy jacket. I'm a Tasmanian.
0: Yes. <laughs> but we make it work. We make it work. We have the room at like 16 and a half
2: degrees.
0: We right do. Up. Yeah. It's cold, isn't it? You're in Adelaide. What What do you sleep in?
2: Uh, I reckon we'd probably be around 18 to 20.
0: Okay. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that is a bit warmer than us, isn't it? It is a little bit warmer. 16, yeah.
2: it's definitely frosty. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: look, I think we have explored all things sleep with you and fatigue. It's been fantastic. It's been so nice to be able to sit down with you, even though it's not in person, which it might be very soon, and we'll talk about that off camera. But mm. uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, your knowledge and wisdom to us. Mm. I, I think looking at what we've talked about, I think everyone needs to think about how we prioritise sleep and what might be happening in our lives if we're not. And, I, and it's time to sort of have a really good think about that. What mm. about yourself, Matt? How did you look at that? Have you thought about how your sleep patterns are going?
0: Uh, yes, I have thought. I have thought about things that I could improve on. I definitely <laughs> want to improve on not being so distracted by technology closer to bedtime. Uh like I'm proud of what we do in terms of what we eat. Like before we don't we don't eat quite like soon before bed, but we could probably cut back on the hot drinks before bed.
1: Possibly could. Yeah. No, I think we're doing okay. Thank you so much for spending time with yeah. us. It's it's been wonderful to yeah. see you. And again, um, we love you so much and really appreciate you in our lives. It's you've just been fantastic. Thank you so much for always being there.
2: So good to see you guys.
0: Thanks for joining us on Two Gay Peas in a podcast. Show us some love, give us a thumbs up and hit that subscribe button for future episodes.